Not your typical engineering broadcast. This is the Engineering and Leadership Podcast. Welcome to Episode 1 of the Engineering and Leadership Podcast, where engineering, management, and leadership are shaken, not stirred, to help engineers like you go from good to great. Head on over to engineeringandleadership.com slash get started for a free course on becoming an engineering leader. In today's episode, you'll learn productivity hacks that'll help you squeeze more out of your week and why eating frogs can be the secret to success in your career. My dear friends, welcome to the very first Engineering and Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Pat Sweet, and I'm very, very excited to have you here for our first show. Before we go too far, I'd like to take a moment to tell you a little bit about this new show. The Engineering and Leadership Podcast is all about leadership, management, business, and productivity in an engineering context. It's like an audio business school for engineers. The goal is to help you learn about the softer side of engineering, but more importantly, to help you go out and apply what you learn. My mission is to help you become a stronger engineer, a stronger leader, or in the words of Jim Collins, go from good to great. So, if you're an engineer who wants to step things up in your career, or make a move into a leadership role, or you just want to improve your business acumen, this is absolutely the place for you. So I'm very glad you came. I plan to mix things up from show to show. I'll do interviews with interesting engineers from around the world. I'll give tutorials, share tips, ideas, resources. But most of all, I'm going to make sure that what you learn here is actionable so you can actually do something with it. Before we go too much further, you probably want to know a bit more about who this Pat Sweet character is. I'm a professional engineer working as a product manager in the rail industry in Ontario, Canada. I studied electrical engineering in undergrad, which makes me a super nerd. I have a mild coffee addiction, play the drums, and I love cycling. A few years ago, I started the Engineering and Leadership blog at engineeringandleadership.com to share my experience and ideas with other engineers. Most importantly, though, I'm a husband and a new dad. My daughter Charlotte is eight months old at the time of this recording, and in my 100% totally unbiased opinion, she's pretty fantastic. But enough about me. This podcast isn't about me, it's about helping you. And with that said, let's get to the main segment of the show. The topic du jour is productivity. Today, I'm going to share five of my favorite little tricks to help you squeeze more out of your week. If you're a typical engineer, you're not exactly sitting around twiddling your thumbs all day. You're busy, you're overworked, and there's never enough hours in a day to get done all that you need to get done. If you could choose even just one of these things to implement at work this week, I'm promising you that you'll be able to carve out extra space in your week to do things you wouldn't normally get to do, like reading a book or washing that coffee mug that's been on your desk for how long has it been now? Whatever you choose to do, be sure to tell us about it by leaving a comment in the show notes by going to engineeringandleadership.com slash Episode one. Tip number one, eliminate distractions, especially email. 
Distractions are a fact of life for anyone who works in a white-collar job. Phones ring, emails pop up, and Ted shows up to randomly talk about how awesome his golf game was last weekend. Again. Everyone can agree distractions are, well, they're, they're distracting. But most people don't know just how seriously they can derail your day. A study conducted at the University of California, Irvine, found that on average it takes 23 minutes and 15 seconds to get back to a task after you've been distracted. 23 minutes! That's crazy! That's, that's a whole episode of the Big Bang Theory. Small interruptions, then, can really add up to become a major problem in the run of a day. The trick, then, is to avoid or eliminate distractions wherever you can. For me, the number one distraction used to be email. I felt compelled to check my inbox every single time a new message came in. And with over 100 new messages a day, that's a lot of interruption. One thing I did was turn off the automatic email notifications so I didn't have that nagging pop-up enticing me to go to my inbox. Now, I check my email on a schedule three times a day, and I'm in control of how that time gets spent. Another big interrupter for me was the phone. I'll answer the phone if I recognize the number on call display. If not, I'll let it go to voicemail. If the caller leaves a message, I'll listen to it right away just to triage the issue and decide if it needs to take priority over whatever I'm doing at that moment. If not, I'll just go back to what I was doing. That way, I avoid having some random eat up a half hour of my day just chatting. Like Ted. What I suggest you do is, over the next week, keep a pen and paper handy on your desk and take note of the distractions that occur. You'll likely find that the same few happen over and over and over again. Once you've determined those key interrupters, work out a plan to eliminate or mitigate them. Tip number two, take breaks. Have you ever struggled with a problem for hours and just had to walk away from it? You were so frustrated. Now, have you ever come back to that same problem a little while later, devastated to realize how simple the solution was all along? Every so often, it's important to step away from your work and just take a little breather. It gives your mind a chance to reset and lets you attack your work more effectively in the long run. Now, everybody is different, but I find that taking five minutes for every 45 to 60 minutes of work works best for me. What I'll do is I'll choose something on my to-do list that I want to work on, and I'll literally set a timer for 45 minutes. I commit to putting my head down and just giving her on the task. This helps me focus on the task end because I know a break is coming up. And for now, I have to work. When the alarm goes off, I drop my pencil, I back slowly away from the keyboard, and I take a little break, no exceptions. I'll get up from my desk, I'll stretch my legs, grab a fresh cup of coffee, and often I'll even step outside for a minute just to get some fresh air. It's, it's a little bit like a smoke break without the smoking. Once five minutes are up, I get back to work. Tip number three, apply Pareto's principle. Italian economist Vilfredo Pareto wrote a paper in 1896 explaining that 80% of the land in Italy was owned by 20% of the people. His inspiration for the paper came from his own garden, where he noticed that 80% of the peas came from 20% of the pea pods. Later, management consultant and engineer Joseph M. Giron suggested that the 80-20 rule, the idea that 80% of effects come from 20% of causes, be credited to Pareto. Thus was born the Pareto Principle. The principle can be applied, in general, to almost anything. In this case, we'll apply it to work. The idea is that 80% of the work that you produce while working on a given task comes from 20% of the time you invested in that task. What that means is that you're nearly done an hour-long task by the time you've spent 12 minutes on it. The trick is to ask yourself, 
Do I need to take this task to 100% or is 80% good enough? Does everything need to be an A plus or will B do the trick for some tasks? Because often we assume that everything needs to be done to 100% satisfaction, 100%, no mistakes, no issues. When, when in reality, it would actually be better to hammer something out, get it done quickly and move on to the next thing. Basically satisfying yourself with the 80%. Perfection can often get in the way of getting things done. Apply Pareto's principle to your work wherever you can, and you'll free up hours of your time. Tip number four, batch, don't multitask. I'd like to dispel a a little myth here. Are are you ready for this? You, You may want to be sitting down for this one. There is no such thing as multitasking. There, I said it. I said it. There's no such thing as multitasking. It's countercultural, I know, but it's true. You can literally only use your brain for one thing at a time. What happens instead, when when you think you're multitasking, you're actually single-tasking with frequent switching. You go to one thing, then you focus on another, then you focus on another, then you focus on another. You're You're not doing four things at once. And when you do this, it's a lot like the distractions we talked about in the first tip. The distraction is just the next task. Remember, it can take a long time to refocus your brain once you start something new. So this is not a good plan. I recently heard that the vast majority of car accidents that occur as a result of texting while driving occur in the few seconds after the phone has been set down when you think you are done texting. Your brain still hasn't taken up the driving task fully. Your brain needs to be able to focus on one thing and one thing only. So while I used to pride myself on multitasking, I've started batching as an alternative. What do I mean by batching? For example, I don't try and respond to emails one at a time as they come in, as I talked about before. I'll let my inbox build up, and at about 10 10 a.m., I'll take 45 minutes to an hour and deal with all of them. And then I'm focusing on a single task for an extended stretch of time. This is a much more efficient way of approaching things and saves me a lot of time throughout the day. It pairs nicely with the idea of taking breaks, as we mentioned above. Focus on one thing for a small period of time, and then get up and walk away. Tip number five, eat that frog. Mark Twain once said that if you could start each day by eating a live frog, you could probably go through the rest of the day with the satisfaction of knowing that the worst thing that's going to happen to you that day has already happened. Author Brian Tracy wrote an excellent book of productivity tips based on this idea called, as you might suspect, Eat That Frog. I'll include a link to this book in the show notes. In our case, your frog is the biggest, baddest, ugliest task on your to-do list. Eating your frog is just tackling that big, bad task first thing in the morning. So when you get to work, don't check your email, don't clean up your desk, just eat that frog. Everything else can wait until you're done. If you can get into the habit of eating your frog first thing every day, you'll eliminate a lot of stress and get through your to-do lists much faster because you're not getting hung up on those ugly things that just kind of linger and stay on that list from day to day. So to recap those five tips, tip number one was eliminate distractions. Two was to take breaks. Three, apply Pareto's principle. Four was batch, don't multitask. And five was eat that frog. This is the 
part of the show where I read your mail, comments, tweets, and messages, and answer your questions. I promise to read everything you send me, and I may even share your note on the podcast here. If I choose yours as the comment of the week, I'll send you a very snazzy engineering and leadership t-shirt that you can wear with pride to your next formal event, like a wedding or board meeting. With that being said, let's share this week's comments. TechGeeker left a comment of the blog recommending ProofHub as a cool project management tool. Now, I personally use Asana for tracking tasks, and I, I mention this all over the blog. I absolutely love Asana. But it looks like ProofHub is something of a full-blown project management package, so I recommend you check that out. Karen Lin at Karen Lin Ward 5 on Twitter um, sent me a challenge. She challenged the idea that leaders shouldn't take credit for their work suggesting that as long as they give others credit too, then that's okay. So this was in response to a post I'd written on the blog. Uh, I'll leave a link in the show notes so you can weigh in and let me know what you think. My argument was that um, strong leaders give credit and take blame, and Karen is saying maybe it's not quite uh, as black and white as that. So I'd like to know what you think. Finally, Ken Palomera from unchartedengineering.com had the following to say on a blog post about why goals are bad for you. And it's a bit of a long one, but I'll, I'll, I'll read it through here. Ken says, In my experience, I have found that having goals is in fact very important in life fulfillment and building as a person. Not achieving goals does tend to bring on discouragement, but that's part of life. It's important to have long-term goals to set you in a direction that you want to follow and short-term goals that take you along those paths. The advice that I've been given that helps you avoid massive disappointment and helps you keep moving toward those goals is to celebrate your tiny victories and to enjoy the process. Acknowledgement of these small wins and having long-term goals not only gets you to where you want faster, but overall it helps you maintain a better attitude and higher self-confidence. Not to mention, this allows you to help as many people as possible along the way. So I want to say thank you very much for your comments, Ken. Uh, I've awarded you the comment of the week, and I'll be reaching out to you in the coming days to make sure you get that, uh, that t-shirt. If you'd like to submit a comment, tweet me at Angelieder, or leave a comment in the show notes at engineeringandleadership.com slash episode one. This is the part of the show I call the Engineering Toolbox. In this part of the show, I'll share with you some kind of tool or resource that I use that I find super helpful in my own engineering career, and that I think you might find helpful too in your quest to become an engineering leader. Today's resource is Evernote. Evernote software that helps you remember everything. Their logo is literally an elephant. That's their mission is to, to help you remember everything. And it lets you quickly and easily take notes that can be shared across all your devices. It's awesome. One of the best things Evernote can do is search text in images, even handwriting. So I use Evernote quite a bit to take pictures of whiteboards after meetings or notes scribbled on a, uh, on a notepad so that that text is actually searchable when I'm looking for it later. It's, it's fantastic. One of the best things about Evernote is that it's free. Um, there's a premium version, which is only a few bucks a month, um, but the, the, the free version is, is fantastic, and I, I really do recommend you go check that out, at least to get started. Um, you can learn more and download Evernote at evernote.com.
That's all the time we have for the show today. If you enjoyed the show, it would be awesome if you could leave a review on iTunes for me. If you have any ideas or thoughts on how to make the show better, let me know how to do that too. Don't forget to head on over to engineeringandleadership.com slash get started for a free course on becoming an engineering leader. And tune in next week when we discuss which is being better, becoming CEO or becoming an engineering guru. Until then, take care, and we'll talk again soon.